0: I've been debating how much I ought to reveal to you. When I say debating, of course, I mean debating with myself. This is because, in case you are new to this show, in which case, welcome, new friend. I have spent a significant amount of time in solitude, not by my own choosing. And it's not because I am the only person intellectually equipped enough to debate with me. I've been debating about whether it is best to tell you more about the things in this world that you cannot see. Many people seek proof of this sort of thing, while others are content to live in disbelief and carry on their lives. I sense that these people may perhaps be overall happier. But what is happiness? Is it really a thing to aspire towards? No. No, surely truth is much more important, much more noble. However, you know the truth about many things. Your scientists, your doctors, your researchers are all quite skilled, and there are very many things about the world that you've already discovered, but that have not actually impacted the way you live or move through this world. So, who is to say how much I should tell you? My stories surely should be enough, and they are, in the most important ways, truthful So I feel as though I may already be doing my duty. If I have a duty, like you, I also feel that if I do not have a purpose, I am worth nothing to this world. I must prove to you that that is not the case. I am worthwhile. I can tell you things, and I am. I can only hope that you will listen. When I was young, many, 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 many years ago, I had a small cat as my companion. I was stupid and I would dress her up, drag her around, tell her when she could go outside, if at all, try to control when she would eat and sleep. This cat ran away. Good for her. You see, animals are one of these great examples of things that people do understand, but refuse to adjust their behavior towards. Sure, I understand. You have a way of life, and it is enjoyable, and it is comfortable and familiar. Mind you, this is not a lecture. I am not by any means a vegetarian, as you would call it. It is merely an observation. when I surface from this white-tiled underground hellhole, I will not adjust my way of life to any animal. I shall live as I see fit and as I care to. But here is the truth I will give you tonight, my friend. Animals are not stupid. They're not even less intelligent than you. Rather, they behave differently. They have done things a certain way for the duration of their existence, just like you and your ancestors. And they will continue to do so. I know this for a number of reasons. I, too, am an animal, I think. And I intend to carry on as I always have, and as has helped me survive so long. But I especially know this because I met a creature once. He looked like a man, but looks, my friend, are often deceiving. His story was garbled and confused, but I will do my best to tell it to you in the same way that he told it to me. There was a vast, sprawling forest that existed when the world was still young enough that such a place could remain untouched and unknown. This place was strange because mostly it was inhabited by trees, animals, ravines, nature, you know. But here and there, there may be a pocket of people existing in a camp, a small hunter's lodge, perhaps even a farm here and there. Only brave people or people who had no other choice, would live so far away from civilization. This took great survival skill for these people, even ones who could live in small groups. The woods did not just have squirrels, rabbits, deer, and birds. The heart of these woods, in fact, lay with a huge pack of wolves. No human knew how many wolves actually moved with this pack, but if one were to guess... Well, if about ten wolves was typical of a pack, this one must have had at least thirty. They owned the woods, and they knew it. Food was not scarce in these woods at this time in history, so these wolves grew larger than most. They lived well, but as such... They had almost a kind of code that they all adhered to. For the most part, they did not touch the few people who lived in the woods. For one thing, the people knew of the danger they invited, and so they kept firearms close at all times. For another thing, the wolves did not need to attack humans. Food was plentiful without them. Every now and then, one might carelessly lose a sheep or a cow, and that invitation would be far too... inviting. But the people never sought retribution for their own carelessness. They could not sell wolf's fur. They were too far from town. They lived and let live, for the most part. One wolf in particular was especially large and strong. He was not necessarily the alpha. The man who told me this story took care to explain that in a group so large, it is not just one who leads all though some are more respected than others. Every wolf has a purpose, just as people do in society. This wolf that I describe to you now was a battering ram, a foot soldier. He did what he needed to do, and most of the time that was obvious to him. He had a female that he stayed close with whenever he could, and they had one litter of young between them. I would say that he lived a happy life for a wolf, that would be a ridiculous thing to say. Again, I think that humans are the only ones who strive for happiness in this world. This wolf lived his life in the fullest way that a wolf can. He had a place, and he had a purpose. That was quite enough for him. Until one day, a group of travelers set up a new camp. There were only perhaps fifteen of these humans, but they were different. They had come from somewhere else. When they called out to each other, they did not sound like other humans they had encountered. They boldly sat out by the fire at night and howled at each other in the strangest way. They were unafraid of the night, unafraid of the forest, unafraid of the wolves. In fact, one day, one of these travelers killed a wolf. It was a young female, one that fought well and hunted well, and while she was what we may call a beta, she was dutiful and good and strong and helpful, and she was slaughtered without a thought, shot down while she was mid-hunt. This the wolves may have understood, but her prey was also shot down and stolen, That was meant for the pack. That was that she-wolf's wish. But then the traveler committed the most unforgivable of all sins. He had taken her back to his camp and... I can't even begin to convey the sadness the man had in his voice and feature when he told me this part of the story. He skinned her beautiful gray fur and kept it. He wore it. He had taken her life, taken her kill, and taken her fur. This was not a hunt. Not to these wolves. This was an insult. The large male wolf was afraid for the first time in his life. He thought of his own she-wolf that he kept close to. He thought of his pups. He thought of his own pride. He would not mind being killed in battle, but if he had hunted down a stag and this could not even be given to those he walked with, it was unbearable. The pack did not share his outrage. They were in mourning. They howled nightly so that their lost daughter may hear them wherever she dwelt now. They knew it was impossible, but the howling brought them closer together. They would move farther away from these travelers and hope that they would move on soon enough. But this male was not interested in moving away. On his own, he wandered towards the orange light of the campfire one night. The strange sounds grew closer and closer, as did the revolting smell of cooked meat. He waited in the bushes and watched them closely. There was the man wearing the skin of his sister. He growled at the sight and appraised the situation. There was a young man beside him, a younger brother, a son, he didn't know. And he played with some strange stringed wooden toy. There were two other men of middle age, a young woman howling strangely while the boy played. Five and all, out tonight. The other humans must have been away, sleeping. Hmm. Five was nothing. He walked out of the bushes towards the fire, growling to announce his presence. The group of humans immediately stopped the noises they were making. They rose from their seats, and the older men moved very slowly towards the spot, where they kept their firearms. He snapped his jaws and ran so fast they could not stop him from inserting himself between them and their weapons. Their audacity must be checked. They must be put in their place. They could not live and let live with these creatures. He saw the young man shaking and tears welling up in his eyes. Ah, oh, this one. The one with promise, the one they falsely convinced was safe. From the wolves. He snarled and ran at him, easily catching his arm in his jaws. The boy started flailing and screaming, but this huge wolf would not let go. The men, having found their guns, could not manage a clean shot that would not hurt the boy. The wolf used this to his advantage. He dragged the boy into the woods, a trail of blood in the light snow left in his wake. The older men ran and followed, and they found the poor boy. This part of the story was difficult for the man to tell me, but he somehow choked out each word. The boy had been killed, but not in the way that wolves kill. Not for food, not for self-defense, not for any reason. He had been killed in revenge. He had been killed because a wolf had wanted to kill him. Desired it. Planned it. It was not natural and it was not right. And the wolf didn't feel pride or glee. But he felt... Satisfaction. He felt assured that this group of travelers would not cross them again. He watched the family take the boy back and heard their howls and he listened to it. He grew closer again... Staying low this time to observe what he had wrought. The family held each other and wept. This was something he didn't understand. They had rituals, ceremonies, strange behaviors that seemed to coincide with the death of a loved one. He did not understand this either, but he watched, and he learned Suddenly, though, an old man looked up with wet eyes, and he saw the wolf through the thicket. He looked him right in the eyes. The wolf suddenly backed away a step, but the old man, who seemed to use a stick to move, began to hobble towards him without fear. He even followed the wolf into a clearing. The audacity of these humans... The wolf was not afraid of an old man who could barely walk, but he was curious. The man came to him and stared at him face to face with a huge, blood-stained wolf. Whatever language he spoke next did not matter because what is important is that the wolf understood him. That was my grandson, he whispered. The wolf stood still as a statue and did not, could not look away. Even if he didn't understand grandson, he immediately knew. His young, his young's young. Listen to me, beast, he said calmly, mournfully walking closer to him and even kneeling in front of this wolf. He raised his hands and grabbed the wolf's large head so that he could not look away. You have experienced a loss and felt an injustice. But in return you have deliberately created misery and pain and nothing else. Out of revenge, beast. He shook his head sadly. The forest is not a place for revenge. The wolf became aware suddenly of his pack. They had heard the cries and smelled the blood. His female was there. His brothers and sisters were there, surrounding him and the old man. The old man did not seem to care. In fact, he addressed the pack. We will leave these woods. We will leave your family alone. And for what this one has done, only he will have to pay. The wolf growled as the man removed some sort of object on some sort of string from his pocket. He hummed and murmured low to himself as he rubbed it against the wolf's head and then his heart and then draped it around his neck. The man then grabbed his ears hard and pressed his forehead against the animals. This is for you. The wolf suddenly felt the most excruciating pain in his heart. He howled and sprang back, falling onto his side. He whimpered and whined as the pain spread into his spine, his skull, his eyes, his mouth, his guts. His beautiful dark fur stretched and strained against his body, and he burst through it, revealing pale, hairless skin. His magnificent fangs somehow disappeared and were replaced with useless ones. His huge paws stretched and the bones broke and repaired themselves. His spine stretched, his skull shrank, his entire body burned and writhed until all that was left on the snow was a man and a fur skin. He scrambled for it and in the cold of winter tried to crawl back into it, but he could not. The old man had left but his pack remained surrounding him. He looked the strongest male in the eye. He groaned, but the male turned his back and walked away. And so followed his brothers and sisters, one by one. He grunted, he winced, he tried to howl, but a strange enemy voice came from his new throat instead. He looked at his female and began to weep, She whimpered once and left him as well. He was no longer a wolf. He didn't have a pack. But he could not go to those humans for help. He was alone. And for the first time in his life, he did not know what to do. I won't tell you the even longer story about how he eventually found shelter, clothes, and food. I won't tell you how he learned enough language to communicate with humans and eventually learned to be one. But when I met him, an extraordinary huge man with a large black beard and a mane of black gray hair, he had the look on his face of a man who has walked the world and found nothing in it as beautiful as the full moon through the forest trees. He wore the clothes of a civilized man and because he was also cursed with immortality, He had an intelligence of speech that was both beautiful and haunting, as though he was conscious of the fact that he should not speak. Speech was a betrayal of his own kind, as was the fur-lined coat that he was never seen without. Most creatures hunt and kill. I relate to him on this point. Revenge, however... As a perversion, he told me, it is not natural, and so neither would he be ever again. I hope you are not too sad now, my friend. He was good company, this man, but he taught me a very important lesson. All creatures are intelligent and faced with decisions, So tread carefully when you encounter the strange creatures in this world, especially the ones like him and the ones like me. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for listening and welcome to On a Dark Cold Night. I hope you guys liked the story this week. So, I've got a few things to update you on. Um, just a few shout outs and notices on the billboard of this audio podcast that does not have a physical billboard. First of all, um, I would like to give a big thank you to Yehuda Fisher. Yehuda is a really good friend of mine and an awesome photographer and an amazing theater artist. We took some really great photos uh, for the podcast last week, actually, and I'm so excited to share them with you guys. If you are in the Toronto area and you need some photos done, please check them out at yfphotog.com. So that's yfphotog.com. He's a great guy and a great photographer. So thank you again, Yehuda. You're awesome. Also, if you are a Stitcher subscriber or if you prefer to listen to your podcasts on Stitcher, you're in luck, my friend, because we are now on Stitcher. Stitcher, check us out there and review and rate the show there. Um, we also now have a Facebook page, so that's pretty cool. If you're so inclined, like and follow me there. It's On a Dark Cold Night. Can't miss it. As always, you can stream the show online at kristinzaza.com slash podcast. You can listen on your favorite podcast app, Google Play, Now Stitcher. And if you listen on iTunes and are able to rate and review the show on iTunes, I would be so very, very grateful. That would be very helpful to me and uh, helpful to, uh, you know, spur this podcast on. Any place that you can like, review, share especially share this podcast if there's a horror fan in your life or a insomniac in your life that you think would really benefit from this podcast pass us along we'd be happy to make new friends so thank you so much have a wonderful evening and sleep tight